and welcome to the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast, the podcast where we save you the hours and hours it takes to pick something to watch tonight. On this week, we have a jam-packed edition of the show where we'll be discussing an unparalleled four brand new releases in our review section, starting with Ryan Reynolds' CGI comedy Free Guy, James Gunn switching allegiances to DC with The Suicide Squad, podcast favorite John David Washington's suspenseful journey through the Greek landscape in Beckett, and my own personal BFF, <clears throat> Dev Patel getting medieval on our asses in David Lowry's ancient text adaptation, The Green Knight. Phew. All this plus in our recurring Video Store Corner classic film discussion, we sit down to watch 1994's explosive game of cat and mouse between Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones in blown away. On top of it all, we'll be discussing the latest film news, trailer reactions, and throwing as much nerdery as you can come to expect from Team Movie Mouth. This is Miles, and as ever, I am joined by a man who once said, People of Eternia, I stand before the great eye of the galaxy, chosen by destiny to receive the powers of Greyskull. This inevitable moment will transpire before your eyes, even as He-Miles himself bears witness to it. Now, I, Phil Steerator, am master of the universe. Yes, yes, I feel it. The power fills me. Yes, I feel the universe within me. I am, I am a part of the cosmos. The power flows, flows through me. Of what conscience are you now? This planet, these people, they are nothing to me. The universe is power, real, unstoppable power. And I am that force. I am that power. Kneel before your master. Fool, you are no longer my equal. I am more than man, more than life. I am a god. Now you will kneel. Kneel! It's Phil. Hi, Phil. <laughs> it's Maltator. <laughs> Whoa. That was very, forgive the pun, animated of you. <laughs> or was it in 1987? <laughs> live TV action remake or movie remake. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. That was cool. Thanks. Steer, steer man. Did you, what did you call me? Steer. No, it was He Miles and yeah. Phil Steerator. Oh, Steerator. Okay. Right. For Skeletor, you see. So I get to be Skeletor. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I was going halfway between like the animated Skeletor and Frank Langella, and I just settled for I got it. crazy Miles. He's <laughs> just me- mentalist miles. Yeah, that's all we got. Pretty much. How have you been? I'm all right. I'm fine. Yeah. What, what have you What have you been watching? Whoa. Well, who um, have you been watching? I should... <laughs> I've been watching much TV. Where I normally watch some TV program. I'm sort of like between series now. I haven't really got anything that um, that's on the list to watch. But I did. <laughs> uh, I did manage to watch um, a frightening amount of robocop 2 when it was on TV. <laughs> I've forgotten how like, so awful that film is it's so mm. terrible it's terrible, i find it quite terrible, scary terrible. i have to say the amount of blood packs in that it, it's very violent isn't it i mean robocop yeah. 1's obviously pretty violent as well i'd say it's on yeah. par it's yes yeah, blood pack horrific isn't it it's uh yeah it's the fact there was a little kid as the villain like a drug yeah, like, kid wasn't it proper yeah he was like yeah, like a gangster kid, and he sort of yeah. like shot everyone up. Like yeah, Bugsy Malone, he was a little asshole though, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a little shit, right? Annoying little shit. Yeah, but crap, absolute shit. <laughs> so 
So just to be clear, all you've watched is part of Robocop 2 in the no. two, three weeks since we last spoke. No, I also watched, because um, <laughs> I've been decorating the living room, so I haven't had my, my usual TV set up, so I've been sort of put off watching a lot of things. But um, the... It's, it's like a sign, right? So I set all the I set some of the living room back up, put my TV mm. back up, hooked it all up mm. to the sound system. What comes on? Literally just starting as I turned on the skybox again for the first time in like two weeks. Saving Private Ryan. Oh. oh. And, you know, oh. if that scene started, literally I turned it over as they were in the boats on the beach landing scene. Oh. And you're not, there's no way you're going to turn that off. No. Because it is an absolute masterpiece, isn't it? Suspense, everything. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's so good. I don't think any. It's it's de- it's definitely my favorite war film of all time. It's, it's it's no. It's just so good. There is a case to say that after that scene, it kind of starts with that scene, and after that scene, the movie kind of. It's kind of already peaked. Do you know what I mean? Because that scene yeah. is so good. It. Yeah, it's hard to remember a lot else of what happens other than oh Betty Boop, nice games. <laughs> Oh, land of the free. Oh, say, can <laughs> yeah. you see? Yeah. Up him, up him. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But no, what a film. What a film. Mm. Remember seeing mm. it in the cinema and just being absolutely dazed by it. You saw that in the cinema. I ne- I didn't I saw- get the chance to see that in the cinema. So in the cinema, my brother took me because it was uh, it was the first, like, I think I was slightly underage. It was 1998, wasn't it, Sam Forever? Mm. So I was underage for it. But my brother, my big brother took me. And uh, his name Ryan. Is this not? No. Um, and yeah, it was for seeing that in the cinema with the surround sound, everything. It was just it was like good. absolutely amazing. One of the best oh. cinema experiences I've had. I bet it was. I've seen it since. I think I told you I, I, a few years ago because I lived near a, a wartime fort, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, and they were doing a, some outdoor cinema events, and I managed to catch Seven Private Ryan. Uh, a screening outside in the like parade ground of the of the fort, which was really yeah. good as well. Yeah, oh. that was cool. Yeah, would it have been funny if they'd mixed it up with the porno remake, Shaving Ryan's Privates? Well, they just cut bits in it, mm. like in Fight Club. Little yeah, spices. or if you just turned up and it was like you and a load of grannies sitting on plastic chairs watching <laughs> they just Shaving out. Ryan's Privates. Shave oh them, God. shave them. <laughs> Sick. What did you what? What have you been watching? Oh, Phil. If you build it, he will come. Mm. This week was the, well, actually, this week, two years ago, was the uh, 30th anniversary of Kevin Costner's Field of Dreams, the baseball movie. Oh, yes. Um, so Major League Baseball here in the US had planned a game um, to be played to commemorate the 30th anniversary because it's a very important baseball movie to a lot of baseball fans right. and players. Um, of course, COVID happened, so they couldn't mm. do it. But what they've been doing quietly throughout the last two years is in the exact spot, on the exact set where they filmed uh, Field of Dreams in, in 1989, mm. they built a, a baseball diamond and field, put in bleachers and built a whole cornfield, in the middle of a cornfield, and built oh. this tiny little baseball stadium, just like in, in the movie, wow. at the end of the movie. And they played a game between the two teams that are in um, the in the actual film. So the White Sox and the Yankees, who Kevin Costner's father plays for in, in the movie. So right. um, it was 
honestly, it was absolutely amazing. I'm a bass football fan, so I'm always biased, but yeah. th- this was a real spectacle. That's extravagant. It was really extravagant. They were led out onto the pitch by Kevin Costner. Wow. And they walked out of this cornfield, just like they do in the movie, the ghosts of the players walking out onto the cornfield. They walk out from this cornfield and all the fans are there. And Whoa. it's absolutely amazing. He threw the first pitch. Um, and then they had J- James L. Jones doing some of the voiceover, mm-hmm. some of the voiceover stuff. Kevin Costner jumped into the commentary booth for a couple of innings and was talking about the movie. And it was a, it was an official, you know, baseball game. It wasn't just for fun. It was, you know, they were wearing the old uniforms as well. Yeah. From like the 19, you know, whatever, 1920s, 1930s. Yeah. Um, they had like all the music playing from, from the film, from the score as the players were walking out and all that kind of <laughs> thing. Um, and then they even had this really cool moment right in the, I think the first or the second inning where Abreu, who's a player that plays for the the White Sox, hit a home run and it went straight out into the cornfield. So it's just, it was absolutely amazing. And uh, honestly, one of the best kind of movie sport crossover things, events that I've ever seen. It was so good. Um, Yeah. So it was a real grand slam for uh, for the MLB and the baseball fans. What was that? Did they stream it or what? It was it was just a it was just a regular season game. It was on all the all the sports channels. Oh, so it was just like the on the sports channels, right? It wasn't yeah. like a YouTube event or no. like a studio thing. Like no, it was, no, it was no. Just a, <laughs> wow, that's really cool. It was it was supposed to be a White Sox home home game, so White Sox were essentially playing at home. But it was yeah. in uh, it was in Iowa, um, right. which is the first, which is where the film is set. But it's in the it was the first ever baseball game, major league baseball game, held in Iowa. So it was Whoa. really random. These two teams just playing in the middle of you know these what you call the flyover states in the US. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely brilliant for that a crossover cool. between film and, and sports. And if you if you get the chance to check out the highlights, I'm sure they're on YouTube or somewhere you can find them. Yeah. Because it it was even actually a really good game. A lot of people think baseball is boring, but it was a very high scoring game. Yeah. And um and there was lots of kind of you know interplay about the movie and and so on. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was really cool. That and then I also started watching the new another week, another new Marvel show on Disney Plus. This time it's Marvel's What If, the animated uh, show, which is now oh, set yes. in the yeah set in the quote unquote multiverse. Um, and the first, the, basically, the premise of What If is what if um, uh, what if uh, I don't know Black Panther was actually abducted by aliens and instead of becoming T'Challa. And Black Panther, he became Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. Or what if Captain America is a zombie and was was dead and was brought back as a zombie? And all these different these different things. The first one, the first episode kicked off with Sharon Carter, who you, you'll know as, uh, as Agent Peggy Carter. Uh, obviously, Steve Rogers, Captain America's you know, longtime crush. Mm. Um, and she ends up taking the super serum, super soldier serum, instead of Steve Rogers. And instead of Steve Rogers becoming Captain America... She becomes Captain Carter, or quote unquote oh. Captain Britain. So yeah. she becomes a super soldier to fight the Nazis, to find the Tesseract, to take out Red Skull, and all this kind of thing. And the news coming out of Marvel is quite interesting in that they are actually thinking about bringing some of these what if characters into the real world MCU universe. Oh, so wow. they are going to start to deliver and drop some of these characters potentially into into the major MCU plot lines. Cool. Which could be really cool, really cool yeah, crossover. It sounds like a lot of like you know, it's like a license to 
license for fun isn't it for the writers and stuff just to like and for the fans to see stuff like that as well which is which is what it should be it was yeah. based on a on a novel on a graphic novel series called what if uh, like yeah. a, a weekly kind of um circular of these comics that would come out and they would just speculate basically yeah. i know in the comics they've done crossover like you know zombie sort of like yeah. as you said like marvel ones and all that so yeah, yeah it's quite interesting to see that coming through into TV stuff. So that's definitely cool. man. It's, yeah. uh, it's it's quite good. I really enjoyed the first episode. I have no idea what the next episode is going to be. Uh, I put a little thing up on our Instagram this week about whether they should bring Captain Carter into the MCU universe, and the answer was a resounding yes on that. Um, it might have something to do with the fact that I only had a yes button on the answer um, <laughs> for the reason that she absolutely should be a character in the MCU. Um, so we'll see. Keep keep your eyes peeled uh, on that one. Let's should we jump in the news, Phil? Why not? Let's do it. I'm going to shuffle my papers. (laughs) What have you got for us this week? (laughs) Well, I've got one piece of news for you. And that is, and this will probably appeal to, uh, well, it appeals to me, but it'll appeal to you more because you've actually seen the film that I'm going to talk about. Will it Um, And (laughs) I hope so. And that is that Ryan Reynolds has confirmed that there is a, uh, there's going to be a a sequel to Free Guy, which obviously is the new smash hit box office release mm-hmm. um so yeah he shared on his twitter that um basically disney had confirmed after sort of three years of you know harassment <laughs> that mm. um disney have confirmed they officially will want a sequel i mean it makes sense it's done pretty well in the opening weekend of the box office hasn't it mm-hmm. uh for him so i think it's been a bit of a smash hit i think anything with ryan reynolds in you know it's going to be pretty fun to be honest and i, I love the way that they cut stuff together for his like to promo his films mm-hmm. like just the silly promos that they've done with that with like the big guy or whatever it was where they sort of put his face on that sort of muscle guy mm-hmm. um which i'm sure features in the film but as i said i've not seen it but you're reviewing it later aren't you so um so yeah i think that's good news that you know things like that if they're gonna make them money they're gonna they're gonna do them <laughs> we'll come on to that later in the oh, show shall exciting. we exciting yeah, let's do it what have you got for us? Yes. <laughs> You're it's, right. You said it to Joe Pesci for a bit there. Kevin! It's, it's, it's Home Sweet Home Alone. The oh. new reboot of the Home Alone series. Leave it alone. Stop poking oh. it with a stick. Yeah. Yeah, leave it leave it alone. Like Marv getting a spider on the face. <laughs> um, basically, this film, Home Sweet Home Alone, the new Home Alone movie, is coming out in November this year on Disney Plus. Mm. Um, it is starring the adorable young kid from Jojo Rabbit, Archie Yates, as the kind right. of central kid role. But we've got some casting news. He's going to be starring alongside Ellie Kemper, Rob Delaney who you may know from uh, a lot of popular TV shows mm. at the moment, Ashling B. And oh, yes, I know her. Uh, B- B- oh, you enjoyed that Not one. Not personally, but I know her from the television. From the television uh, set. A comedian. Um, and speaking of comedian, comedians, uh, Keenan Thompson of Keenan and Kel fame and oh. Saturday Night Live alum. Um, these guys are all joining the cast. Uh, so basically this is going to be, you know, your typical... Home Alone movie 
Max Mercer is a mischievous and resourceful young boy who's been left behind while his family is in Japan for the holidays. So when a married couple attempting to retrieve a priceless heirloom set their sights on the Mercer family's home, it's up to Max to protect it from the trespassers and he will do whatever it takes to keep them out. This is my house and I have to defend it. Hilarious hijinks of epic proportions ensue, but despite the absolute chaos, Max comes to realize that there really is no place like home sweet home. Uh, good one. Interestingly, though, this is going to be directed by British filmmaker Dan Mazer, who previously directed I Give It a Year and Dirty Grandpa, if you remember that. Yeah. Uh, and, and also directed several episodes of The Ali G Show. Oh, yeah. um, and also worked as a co-writer on Borat and the Borat sequel. So there could be some interesting news coming out of that one. Interesting, um, yeah. But we'll see. Uh, Wes Anderson news alert! This year, Wes Anderson movies are like London buses. You wait ages for one and then two turn up instead. So hot off the heels of the of the French Dispatch, which is his, has been his long delayed due to COVID uh, movie, which mm. is dropping in October this year, Wes has a new untitled movie and he's just announced his cast. So in, in, in addition to his regular kind of core ensemble that routinely join Wes Anderson movies, um, we're also going to see in this, in no particular order, of course, the classic Adrian Brody, Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, but also Margot Robbie, Rupert Friend and Tom Hanks making his wow. Wes Anderson debut, Margot Robbie also. Um which sounds quite interesting. There are barely any details on this, what the story is about, who's playing who. Um, but of course, it's going to be your, your typical Wes Anderson romp, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this has just started shooting in Spain. Mm-hmm. So his first, I believe, picture to be based in Spain. Typically, he you know films a lot of stuff through Europe and, and obviously India with the Darjeeling Limited. So this, this could be quite interesting to see him, um, you know, move to Spain and do something good with that culture. It's quite the cast as well. Quite, quite the class. Quite the, the class. class. Quite the class. Shoot the class. <laughs> Shoot the class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you um, did you watch any trailers this week? I did. I did. Oh god. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and I'm sort of. Why is it you always? Always when I ask you if you've seen a trailer, there's always a oh god. <laughs> no, this one. I don't know if you've seen this, right? But it's. <laughs> <laughs> this is called Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Does it star John Travolta, Bruce Willis, or Nicolas Cage by any chance? It stars Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. I swear on my life. Like, it's just you're always bringing up one of those three in a trailer. It's because I love them so. Um, so. This honestly looks mental. Like, absolutely mental. Okay. So, tell me more. <laughs> So the trailer came out this week and it looks like it may well live up to the... So Nicolas Cage said himself, it's the wildest movie I've ever made. And he's made a lot of wild shit. Okay. He made um, Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it's described... So it's described as a samurai western action film. Sold. Get your head around that for a minute. Sold. And it's about a ruthless bank robber, who is Nicolas Cage, uh, and he's sprung from jail by a wealthy warlord or the governor uh, and is sent on a dangerous quest to find his adopted granddaughter who's gone missing. Now, you watch the trailer for this and honestly, it does look absolutely mental. Um, it's sort of like, 
I don't know. It's hard to explain how visually interesting this looks, but it's also got. Um, I think the side twist in the trailer is that they like strap explosives to like he's wearing like a full body like um, leathers like bike leathers and they strap like some explosives around the neck and in the ball <laughs> area like as a joke like you know it's sort of like a joke so this like for two, what purpose? Like, well, that if he doesn't find the daughter in like two days or whatever, he gets he gets blown up by the governor. It looks honestly. Watch the trailer for this. I think we should post a link to it to, on our um, Instagram because it's it's crazy, but it looks visually like amazing. Like it, it's okay. just there's so much going on. Crazy yeah. costumes. It's sort of like dystopian, sort of Mad Max ish. It's just really weird, um, and it looks like pure Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Modern Nicolas Cage, that is, because he signs up for all of these kinds of things now, doesn't he? He really does. <laughs> so, does he uh, sign yeah, up for them or does he get signed up? I feel like maybe. So- someone's charging him <laughs> alimony to be in these bad movies. <laughs> yeah, but who knows? It looks maybe, maybe we should start the hashtag, hashtag free, free Nicholas. <laughs> we should try and get in touch with us. Are you all right? Someone they took my face off. <laughs> Um, but that's out on September the 17th. Ooh. Are you going to watch it? Oh, God, yes. Did you watch Pig yet? No, I didn't. Pig! I watched the trailer for that, didn't I? And I was like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's... <laughs> I'm not sure. Did you watch yeah. it? No. No, I haven't, oh, okay. no, I haven't, right. I haven't had time, Phil. I've, I've watched five films this week for the podcast. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, you have. Uh, but no. But this one looks like more up my street than Pig does. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that one, won't we? Yeah. Uh, I need to check that out. That sounds amazing. And tune in next week for Phil talking about another Nicolas Cage movie that's going to be coming out probably <laughs> the month after. Um, I So I saw a couple, actually. These, are, these were in the cinema. I got the chance to go to the cinema since I last spoke to you three times, I think. Wow. And um, I saw these two of these trailers twice, which was really annoying. Um, but I can tell you all about them. The first okay. one is... A spiritual sequel to the to one of our video store corner classics, Helen. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's of course the Candyman and Helen. I'm in the car park, Helen. <laughs> my voice is echoing way louder than it should be in a car park, Helen. Look at my leather jacket, um, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> my body's full of bees, Helen. Um. So this is the follow-on. It's a kind of a, it's a, a spiritual sequel, apparently, to Candyman. It returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. Mm. So we're going to see a lot of kind of updated, I would say, uh, gentrification and those kind of stereotypes of people, of hipsters and people living their lives. 21st century people could be quite interesting. Yeah. This is, this is written by Jordan Peele, of course, who wrote Us!, um, and get out, uh, and he. This is also. It's also directed by Nia DaCosta, um, who is is actually currently signed on to direct a, the the Marvels, which is a sequel to Captain Marvel uh, within the MCU. Um, right. This is starring the awesome um, Yah uh, Yah Abdul Mateen the second, mm. who uh, you'll remember Phil from the trial of the Chicago Seven, playing Bobby yep. Seal, um, yeah. the Black Panther uh, leader, who was you know brought in for bullshit charges basically um and obviously star of of watchman as well he was absolutely awesome in that uh and it looks like it's a very central role for him it's a predominantly uh cast made up of people of color 
um, as you would expect from Jordan Peele's involvement. So it looks really interesting. Um, it looks like it has more of a male-led spin on this rather than the original, which was obviously fe- a female-led protagonist. Oh, um, but obviously that movie was very much ahead of its time as well, having mm. also a person of color in one of the protagonist roles and obviously also as the antagonist. Mm. Um, it looks kind of kind of scary. It looks kind of fun as well. It looks like it's maybe going to skew a little bit more towards the kind of comedy aspect as well in some places. <laughs> um, I'm not totally sure you know, whether this is going to be a hit or not. It, I actually do really want to see it. So I'm going to, I'm going to go see it and we'll, we'll certainly review it. It comes out on August 27th. Um, but it is, this is something that I feel like needs to be seen in cinemas, perhaps with an audience. I think it could be fun. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Check out, check out Candyman. I think it looks like a really good trailer. And then the other, the other one that I, that I've seen twice is uh, it's it's another A24 produced movie. A24 also bringing us The Green Knight this week, one of our reviews. And this is an Icelandic movie directed by Valdemar Johansson. And this sees uh, Numi Rapace and uh, Hilmar Schneer Gornason, sorry if I got your name wrong, um, as a childless couple, Maria and Ingvar, who discover a mysterious newborn on their farm in Iceland. The unexpected prospect of family life brings them much joy before ultimately destroying them. That's the tagline for the movie, right? But the trailer is basically this married couple on a farm who have a load of sheep, and one of the sheep apparently gives birth to a lamb. And it it would appear from the trailer that they raised this lamb to be a child. And at one moment in the trailer, you see a small lamb-like figure walking along in a little like child's coat and Wellington boots with Numi Rapace holding holding its hand and guiding it along. (laughs) Yeah. Off, you're making this up. But then you start seeing (laughs) these sheep coming to the house and the people and the husband screaming, get out of my house. Like, they're they're coming to look for the lamb. It's, it it doesn't look like a stupid film, but it looks like a fun, dark, arty kind of movie. Right. But I definitely want to see it. It looks right up my alley. Is it like um, for? Is it foreign language? Is it Icelandic? Like, or is it? Yes, it is. It is subtitled. It is in sub, It is subtitled. Um, but it, it's, you know, for me, this is the kind of movie that I love to go and see in the cinema. I like to kind of be challenged by by this kind of thing. It yeah. reminds me a lot of, and I don't know if you saw this, but it reminds me a lot of another A twenty four produced movie, which was Midsummer. Um, oh, I didn't see that. No, starring Florence Pugh, kind of that Wicker Man type weirdness, that that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so it looks it looks really good. Hereditary was another one from the same director, yeah. same same production company. So, so this looks really good. It comes out. Um, oh, sorry, I've just lost the release date. It, it's coming out uh, here on October eighth. So, okay. and that will be a cinema release, I believe. Obviously, pending whatever's happening with coronavirus and the pandemic right now and mm-hmm. in the future. But um, for sure, it looks like it looks really interesting. So check, I would definitely say check out Lamb if you're interested in some weird, that some mental. weirdness. I thought I thought the Nicolas Cage one sounded crazy. That sounds even more crazy. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, that, that could be good. Could be good. It should be good. Um, so there you go. I think some awesome movies are coming out. It looks like there's yeah. going to be some good movies coming out, um, and we'll no doubt be bringing you that one. I'm gonna. Th- I'm thinking about it. Uh, I'll probably be reviewing Candyman uh, on the next episode. So if yeah. I can get a chance to go see it, I will. I will see it and I will review it. 
Cool. Oh, they're off to you. As usual. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Just the sound of New York City. Yeah. I like right. it. Right. It's like ASMR. Phil, shall we, shall we jump into some reviews? Let's do it. Hello. It's the <laughs> review section. <laughs> oh, we're here. Oh, we're here already. Crime. <laughs> Criminy. Um, we'll get, I'll, I'll get us kicked off. Um, yeah. We'll start off with the Suicide Squad. So Let's. this is a movie about the government sending the most dangerous supervillains in the world, those of the DC universe, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Harley Quinn, and others, to the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Armed with high-tech weapons, they trek through the dangerous jungle on a search-and-destroy mission with only Colonel Rick Flagg on the ground to make them behave. But do they behave, Phil? Do they? Of course they don't. <laughs> of course they don't. <laughs> of course they don't. So, Phil, let me cast your mind back to 2018. Marvel were reeling um, from some historic, yet extremely out-of-taste tweets from their new director darling and champion of Guardians of the Galaxy Parts 1 and 2, James Gunn. Disney, with a firm hand, expelled Gunn, sending him into the arms of Warners and DC, themselves reeling from the high takings, but extremely low critically acclamation of Suicide Squad, the original movie. Hmm. DC then signed Gunn up to write and direct what would initially appear to be a suicide mission of their own, taking a poorly executed film about many rogues galley of DC supervillains and turning it into a profitable and commercially approved sequel. The answer is both surprising and unsurprising in many ways. First of all, Gone are the less enjoyable dark elements of David Ayer's original Suicide Squad. And I'm sure all of our listeners will be happy to hear that Jared Leto's Joker takes no part in this sequel. Thank God. <laughs> I would go so far as to say that you don't actually have to even see the first film which is weird considering some of that lineup returns, such as Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flagg, Amanda Waller, played by Viola Davis, Jai Courtney's Captain Boomerang, and the standout of DC's DCEU universe so far, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Kinnaman's dry and boring flag is given so much more to do here with some moments of actual charisma and humor. So too is Viola Davis playing the suit who puts our suicides on a mission, plucked from a different movie but never a clash in tone. Robbie, herself again, reveling in the role that has made her Hollywood's go-to A-list actor. See also, by the way, I, Tonya, for those who haven't. It's a really, really great movie in the, in the role of her biopic with Tonya Harding. But it's our new recruits where this expedition finds its footing. John Cena, fresh off his awful and humorless role as brother Toretto in Fast 9, is finally given the chance to flex his comedic muscles as Peacemaker, a sort of sociopathic Captain America who will literally kill women and children, plus suck a whole beach worth of dicks in the name of freedom. <laughs> also, Idris Elba's Bloodsport, initially assumed to be stepping into Will Smith's vacant shoes from the original, but actually offering so much more in terms of charisma, an unusual thing to say when talking about Big Willie style. Daniela Melchior, as the animal summoning rat catcher too, also provides pathos and emotion, as does David Dastmelchian das as the suitably depressed and yet colourful polka dot man. <laughs> oh, and did I mention Sylvester Stallone as a frickin' walking, talking and biting great white shark called King Shark? Yes. I love okay. King Shark. <laughs> James Gunn's success has always been in his off-the-wall writing, but his true nuance is in making humorless, 
dark, humorous and dark movies with a sense of character depth and emotion. Does anyone remember shedding a tear over Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Well, I did. <laughs> and remember, this was a minor character. Gunn knows what he's doing and following an immediately into the thick of it opening scene full of shocks and surprises, we are left knowing that this is exactly what it says on the tin, a suicide mission where we know that many of our anti-heroes will die along the way. To be frank, I am by no stretch a DC fan. Its output of late has been dour, dark, too focused on building its own universe from the outside in, unlike Marvel's organic rollout of MCU movies. So it's a surprise then that The Suicide Squad was an enjoyable movie. Actually, let me rephrase that. The Suicide Squad is the most fun I've had watching a movie this year. Oh. And it had some genuinely genius and untelegraphed moments. I haven't actually seen anything like this in a comic book movie since Avengers Endgame about three years ago. Some actually surprising narrative scenes that you don't even think are going to happen. Even that opening moment, it throws you straight into it and some characters are dying that you think are possibly going to be in this for a long time and they really are not. Um, From that opening beach assault to the final confrontation with a very unique end boss, you have no idea where this was going and yet amongst all the laugh out loud moments and the weirdness, the murder, and the death. There was room for emotion and empathy. Phil, you're not a huge comic book fan, and you haven't seen the original, I believe? No, I have seen it. I did see it at the cinema, the original one. So what did you think of this? Well, I, to be honest with you, I've not seen the original Suicide Squad uh, since I watched it at the cinema, and I have no desire to watch it again. No, it me too. Left Dreadful. Left me feeling empty inside. I can say <laughs> on the on the on the tomatometer on Rotten Tomatoes, 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 Rotten Tomatoes. It is the <laughs> it's the lowest ranked DC movie. Is is the original Suicide Squad? So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Well, I mean, but think about it. You've got Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice in there as well, and Zach's and the uh, Justice League as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a lot of shit in there. Yeah, a lot of a lot of shit to wade through before you yeah. get to there. Um, but I I've been really interested to see this since I saw the original like teaser trailers and then the trailers coming out. I just thought it looks like it's gonna be just some really good fun. Like it's my kind of humor. It's dry. Like it's just just fun characters, and I just love the relationship between all of them. Um, you know, and I, I like yeah, I thought like it started. And I was like, have I missed it? I felt like I, I feel like I've missed like the first 10 minutes of this before we've come into it. Yeah. So it's sort of, as you said, it's just straight in. Yeah. Um, but I love it. And it doesn't really stop, does it? It's just, you know, it's really, it's got really good pace. Some of the set, like the set pieces and the action sequences are fantastic. It's like ultra gory, ultra yeah. gory, like way it's gory. Not for kids. I thought it was good. It's no not for way. kids. Not at all. Um, but they have a lot of fun with it. And, you know, the whole thing I was thinking when I was watching this, I was like, they must have had some fun making this. It's yeah. got to be the kind of film that you must have so much fun making yeah. when, you're, when you're in it. But, um, yeah, I, for me, <laughs> I absolutely love a lot of the comedy in it. Um, King Shark, 100% my favourite character. <laughs> I knew he would be. I knew <laughs> he would amazing. be. Uh, I love him. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I just <sense>. really... <laughs> I just really enjoyed it. It was just, it was just a lot, a lot of fun to watch, yeah. and just looked. It did look amazing. Like you know, it lives up to that sort of just blockbuster effects. Everything looks great in it. I think as well. Mm. Um, what, what about what about the the scene that kind of the start kind of reminds me of Predator. The way the movie starts, 
like yeah. in the jungle. Like they have to take out that village. That scene where they took out that village to try and find one of the uh, the squad that had been kind of captured. Yeah. Was abs- the payoff in that was absolutely hilarious. Wasn't it? <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. I think John John Cena was great in this. Idris yeah. Elba. I think Idris Elba can be really hit and miss. I think sometimes you can be aware that he's acting. Sometimes yeah. you can see he's acting. Like you're watching Idris Elba. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. In I love this, Idris Elba, though. Yeah, but I know, but in this, he was. This is brilliant. made for him. Like, this role faultless. was absolutely made for him. It, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, it was, he, yeah I think he perfect. was faultless in this, really. Yeah. I, I was in love with him by the end of it. I was like, yeah. Polka Dot Man, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. They're, this they're whole all thing. so good. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. So, okay. So I think we can say without doubt that the Suicide Squad gets a massive recommendation from the Movie, Movie Mouth podcast. And it's available everywhere in theatres and at home on HBO Max everywhere. Right? Nigh. <laughs> Go check it out. Uh, okay. Do you want another one? Yeah. Let's have another one. Free Guy. <laughs> a bank teller who discovers he's actually a background player in an open world video game decides decides to become the hero of his own story one he rewrites himself now in a world where there are no limits he's determined to be the guy who saves his world his way before it's too late it's ryan reynolds playing ryan reynolds again <laughs> what's not to like <laughs> what could go wrong well it turns out this video game inspired movie crashes and reboots at almost every single opportunity. Oh dear. This is directed by Night of the Museum director Sean Levy. Here on slightly more grown up ground as Ryan Reynolds starts his day over and over again as an NPC or non-playable character in Free City. This is basically an open world city similar to and ripping off directly from Rockstar Games' the Grand Theft Auto franchise. Uh One day, Guy's bank teller is robbed for the millionth time by a real online player when Guy accidentally kills the player and takes his sunglasses. The key to seeing the real-world video game and being able to play the game itself to level up and reap rewards is benefited to him. So far, sounds pretty good, right? Sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. Well, let's lump in the background plot about a nefarious tech company CEO stealing the code behind a video game utopia free of killing and jumping back and forth between the real world, boring, and free city. Also boring, and I'll tell you why. Even though the premise seems unique, you have seen this all before, countless times. Mm. Firstly, Guy, Ryan Reynolds, is living what he believes to be an everything is awesome like paradise, as seen in the excellent original Lego movie. Basically the same plot, okay? That is, until we realize that this is also the Truman Show as the real world and Twitch streamers start to tune into Guy's developments as he levels up in Free City. Oh my God, blue shirt guy, he just did this. We're going to watch it. Oh, we're going to stream it. Oh, but then Guy dies and he dies again and he dies again and over and over and over. And yes, you've seen that before too in Groundhog Day and Edge of Tomorrow. And herein lies the kicker. Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool, right? A dry, acerbic wit with a foul mouth and a wink to the camera as he brings you in on the joke. Here, Guy is always the last to know what is happening. He doesn't know he's in a video game. And worse still, without an R rating, 
He's left as a sort of mix-up between a hapless Mr. Magoo and Walter Mitty type character. Because you've played these type of games before, you already know what he needs to do in order to succeed and win, right? Mm. There are some standouts. Jodie Comer, fresh off her excellent and devilish turn as Villanelle in Killing Eve, is great here as an action queen. However, she's truly robbed of the romantic payoff that this picture threatens by not really fleshing out the arc and rushing the climax. But it's in the cameos, and one, should I say, magic cameo in particular, with a squirming, dancing, A-list action-slash-hip-shaking star who, for roughly three minutes, injects Free Guy with exactly the type of mature in-jokes and fourth-wall-breaking that we would usually expect from Ryan Reynolds in a kind of Deadpool-type role. That, plus an excellently unexpected Avengers reference, which did get a big laugh in, in my screening as well. But sadly, it's not enough to save Free Guy from free-falling to its rather generic and throwaway ending. Free Guy is a film that should be shooting for the mature audiences, the gamers, those looking for their worlds to be torn down with a nudge and a wink. Instead, it skews too young, aiming at younger audiences and children. Instead of showing us something new, it plays us for a fool, just like our poor protagonist. Sadly, and with news of an already greenlit sequel, Free Guy gets a game over from the movie mouth podcast free guy is available in theaters worldwide now (laughs) see i was sort of looking forward to seeing it i've not seen this yet listeners but um i was quite looking forward to seeing this i thought it could go you know uh that way Mm -hmm. which i feared but i'm still going to give it a go um yeah but it, I think I said when, when we mentioned the trailer a few weeks back, I think I said it just sounded like a cross between Ready Player One and The Truman Show. Um, but, yeah. It's not as good as either of those. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, well, it, it's, it's the Lego movie. It's the Lego movie. Okay. With The Truman Show. And Re- Ready Player One, would it, it would be if it had more references and more, you know, cameos of different you know, things and different yeah. series and things like that. But it, it, yeah, unfortunately. And I actually went with my friend Layla, who has become one of my kind of cinema buddies here in New York. And she uh, felt exactly the same way. So I knew that it wasn't just me. There's yeah. also a lot of younger kids in the audience who I think, I think didn't really get the jokes. It was kind of just funny to watch this, this movie, but, and lots of color and lots of amazing things happening. But as with a lot of these high-profile, high-budget CGI comedies, do you find it funny when you see someone fairly badly CGI bouncing around, flying around, and falling over? You kind of know it's not real, and I, I, it takes me out of it. It really yeah. does when, when you yeah. see that. It's visual gags and CGI. I still think it's not quite there, you know, yeah. unless it's something abrupt and not too detailed, um, you know. So, yeah. I, I, I wanted to like it, to be honest. I wanted to like it. I thought it looked great. The trailers all seem to scream that it looks great. And, and all the adverts, like, oh, it's the best movie this year. And blah, 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 blah. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's really not. not. No. Oh, well. Well, let me, uh, well, bat the review uh, ball over to me. And I'll have a go. Hang on, hang I? on. Let me just serve it. Hip, hey, there you go. Got it. Um, well. Where did you catch so- that? <laughs> wouldn't you like to know I would. um <laughs> well i sat down to watch beckett um and i'll give you a rundown of the plot of this so while vacationing with his girlfriend in greece 
American tourist Beckett, played by John David Washington, becomes the target of a manhunt after a devastating accident. Forced to run for his life and desperate to get across the country to the American embassy to clear his name, tensions escalate as the authorities close in, political unrest mounts, and Beckett falls even deeper into a dangerous web of conspiracy. <laughs> um, basically, this is a film very much about a bloke that is in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, it was not so me. It was the one-armed <laughs> man. So it's directed by um, Ferdinando Cito Filamarino, um, and he is a frequent collaborator of uh, Luca Guadagnino. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I can't pronounce that, but yeah. Um, and he produces here. Um, so the film, it, it looks great, and it's really well shot, in my opinion. I think, you know, it's got some really nice-looking um scenes the, the the greek scenery shifts nicely between the really beautiful mountains at the start um and they give a much more sort of then as the film progresses goes into the sort of gritty parts of athens and the places mm. in between it sort of matches the action you know it starts starts nicely ends sort of a bit more gritty um now i'm going to quote an online review i read here uh within my review because it nails it hits the nail on the head so perfectly uh, for the next part I'm going to say. So the film's greatest gift has to be the prompt separation of Washington and Vikander. So Vikander's uh, Alicia Alicia Vikander, who plays his Mm -hmm. girlfriend. Um, uh, So, yeah, the greatest gift is the prompt separation of Washington and Vikander, two stars of astonishing beauty and an even more astonishing lack of chemistry. Oh. The excruciating first 10 minutes consist primarily of the pair supposedly being romantic, and that sequence is much harder to survive as a viewer than any of the threats to Beckett's mortality that follow. <laughs> now, I say that I'm, I'm, I thought this as well, and as I said, yeah. that's why that is so perfectly written. But yeah. I'm going to also quote my wife as well uh, here because she expressed the same sentiment. <laughs> But more what about you and her, or about <laughs> no, about the film. <laughs> um, so she expressed exactly the same sentiment, but a bit more succinctly. And she said, "Bloody hell!" Uh, honestly, this is a quote that she said this at the end when we were talking about the film. She said, "Bloody hell! Let me just vomit into a bag and then bang their heads together until they're both dead." <laughs> <laughs> Could we get this on the movie poster, please? We should. Uh, yeah, it's harsh, but it's fair. Right. So. I'm going to say, like, so it's not in any way the fault of the actors or due to like bad performances or anything, because all of which, you know, all the performances in it are strong with the material they're getting. It's just more down to the the screenplay and the script writing and mm. feeding them horrible drivel, as I said. But with that out of the way, like the first sort of, you know, 10 minutes, the setup of the film, um, which is a bit vomit-inducing, <laughs> Um you you get the more exciting escape portion of the film kicking off. Um, those things take a turn for the better, I'd say, for it. Um, you generally do feel a tension for the character as he's hunted down relentlessly. Washington's performance as a lost and clueless tourist is convincing, and you can really feel his sort of frustration when he's desperately trying to communicate in a horrible situation with locals without being able to speak a word of Greek, you know. So you can really feel the, the sort of desperation pouring off of him. Mm. Um, 
the conspiracy story that he sort of gets entwined in isn't really anything to write home about. It's a bit thin on the ground. Um, but the thrill of the chase and seeing the guy on the run is what you're sort of there for anyway. Yeah. So that story sort of by the by, really, I'd say. Um, he puts in a really physical performance, um, like really physical. There's a lot of jumping off things, like climbing mountains and, you know, escaping. Uh, you get, you know, gets cut, it gets stabbed, it gets broken bones. You know, there's a lot of, and it's a very physical role and you mm. feel that you are watching a man that's growing weary <laughs> through mm. injury and tiredness and everything that comes along with being on the run from authorities. Uh, and it, yeah, it really builds up the tension as the action draws to a close. Uh, as I said, there's, there's good and bad things about this film. Um, for me, the less said about the ridiculous ending, the better, but no spoilers here. Uh, he's also, one thing that really bugged me about him, he also seems amazingly stupid <laughs> for a man on the run. Like he, he seems constantly surprised that to see the people chasing him beating him to the place where he arrives at but it's the most obvious place he could go to like Mm -hmm. oh he needs to get to athens he'll go to a train station oh they're at the train station oh he needs to get the embassy oh they're at the embassy it's just like Mm -hmm. he seems constantly surprised falling into the same trap over and over again yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and it's just a bit like oh really um but you know that's it's only a small thing but there is one thing I picked up on, however, which I really like. And it was instead of like with all these films and sort of like um, The Fugitive, which I'm going to compare it to a little bit because it's that man on the run type role and The Fugitive's like a thousand million times better because mm-hmm. it's an amazing film. But instead of having that sort of action chase music while he's on, while he's on the run and being chased and this police chases and all that stuff, you get what is, instead of this action pumping soundtrack, you get, a really sparse, like Latin jazz drums. Okay. Um, instead, like Birdman, maybe. Yeah, and it just really helps to like up the tension a bit. Mm. It makes it feel a bit more desolate and a bit more like disjointed, and it, it's quite good. I really liked it. I, I thought you could say gone... it was going to be like uh, traditional Greek folk songs. Like... <laughs> no. Ding 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 but as he jumps off a cliff. And I like that touch. I've sort of really picked mm. up on that um, quite early on. I thought, yeah, it's quite good because there's no, there's no like real music, like soundtrack to it. It's just, right. it's just these sort of sparse areas of jazz drums. Um, but in essence, Beckett, it certainly isn't anything to write home about, but it is an enjoyable fugitive on the run film. If that's the kind of thing you're after. So give it a go if you are. It's available oh. now on Netflix. Oh, it's a it's a recommendation, is it? It is. Yeah. Well, yeah. A bit. Yeah. It's a bit of both. It's a bit like on the don't fence. expect anything amazing, but it's certainly watchable. Okay. Yeah. Just, I don't think it's it's not going to be one that's going to be. I think John David Washington's got a lot more to come with a lot more. You know, he's mm. he's really is like a growing star now, and I think this is going to be one of those films that he's not really particularly going to be remembered for when when we mm. get a few f- films down the line from him. It'll just be a, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, he did that one, didn't he, as well? It's interesting you said that about the, the chemistry with him and, and Vikander because I know that in, I certainly felt like, and I know we, we watched it together last summer. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> um, but with Tenet and yeah. his role in Tenet as the protagonist, I think he was great. But 
chemistry-wise with Elizabeth Debicki. If you remember, there was this kind of supposed tones of romance between them. Oh, yeah. It was very... There was no warmth there in any kind of relationship kind of context. It's interesting you say that. It's not the first time that I think we've, we've had that kind of feedback. So, yeah. I guess, you know, get your bag of vomit ready when you're going to sit down and get your paper bag ready. By the way, Carly, if you're listening to this, you should really seek help for that kind of thing. (laughs) I was a bit, I did move away from her on the sofa a little bit after she said that. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, On to the next one. Uh, So this is The Green Knight. David Lowry, the director of this, returns to our screens to challenge us once again. Lowry, one of Hollywood's most interesting and eclectic directors, whose previous work includes Ain't Them Body Saints, Pete's Dragon, and A Ghost Story, um, brings us the adaptation of the ancient Anglo-Saxon poem, Sir Gawain, Sir Gawain, Sir Gawain, Sir Gawain, and The Green Knight. It's quite interesting because you read it as, as Gawain, Gawain, but in the movie they pronounce it Garwin. Right, okay, yeah. Garwin. So I'm going to say Garwin from now on, okay? Okay. Not the most penetrable of uh, source topics, you'd have to admit, but the trailer that dropped earlier this year, we talked about it, didn't we? Um, We did. I think it looked awesome. It showed some amazing real visual panache, excitement, um, and it's drawn a fairly decent audience off the back of that to, to go see it, which is great because this is essentially an indie movie, again, produced by the excellent production company A24, um, see also Moonlight and Ex Machina, uh, another mm-hmm. another couple of pil- couple of films that they they released. And so to the plot, Phil. This is an epic fantasy adventure based on the timeless Arthurian legend, the Green Knight. It tells the story of Sir Garwin, here played by Dev Patel of Slumdog Millionaire fame, King Arthur's reckless and headstrong nephew, who embarks on a daring quest to confront the eponymous Green Knight, a gigantic emerald-skinned stranger and a tester of men. Garwin contends with ghosts, giants, thieves, and schemers in what becomes a deeper journey to define his character and prove his worth in the eyes of his family and kingdom by facing the ultimate challenger. I have to say, this film is challenging. Um, It's artistic. It's not a Lord of the Rings or Ridley Scott-style sword and sorcery delve into ancient legend or mythology. Hmm. Uh, But I have to also say that that is its greatest strength. Um, this lands somewhere between David Lynch and Guillermo del Toro. Um, but most of all, I have to say that in all the rafts of Hollywood blockbusters and comedies released in the 12 months, those of which that we've been reviewing and watching, it's nice to sit down and watch art, to hear art, and take in a tale as ancient as time itself, which still manages to stay clear in narrative and the lessons that we're being taught, just as it would have done to our ancestors. Um I'd like to mention a few standouts. Um, your friend, Phil, Alicia Vikander, uh, right. here in two startlingly different roles. She brings both innocence and cunning. Uh, Barry Kjorgen, uh provides threat and madness in a role that will surely lead him to the top of most directors' lists underneath Paul Dano and Timothy Chalamet. And, of course, the star here, Dev Patel um, as Sagarwin. So... I've been a fan of Dev for many years. Um, we talked about it before, but I've even met him, and I can tell you he's a really, really nice bloke. Really nice guy. Yeah. And in his film role so far, he is a nice guy. He's always nice. So it's, so it's nice to actually report that he delivers Garwin as a nuanced, 
darkly tinged, heroic, yet cowardly and naive, um, without ever hitting just nice. Um, this is his best role to date, bar none. Um, it brought to mind a Christian Bale era, Batman Begins era, Christian Bale. It had that kind of okay. that kind of nuance to him. Um, depth to the to the character. Um this performance will hopefully elevate him to the next echelon of Hollywood starring roles and give him some more interesting characters to, to really kind of flesh out. I really enjoyed watching him in this. He was, he, you know, I mean, the first scene, he's basically in a, uh, a brothel and doing naughty things. So <laughs> take from that what you will. He's but stealing he's drinks. Drinking and, you know, he kind of, at the start of the movie, has kind of given up on being becoming a knight and is kind of waiting to be, to be successful and not really putting himself out there to do it. Um, so talking more about the, the art element. So the photography in this movie is stunning with really bleak earth-like mist filled landscapes taking up much of the frame. One particular scene that you may have seen some of in the trailer, but it involves giants walking across this huge valley in the mist. Mm. And it's even though we've seen a lot of giant movies and things like that, it's like something you've never, never seen before. A really a moment of real creepiness and soulfulness. Um, just like much of this movie. Uh, this isn't a Saturday night movie to sit down and watch, you know, some the kind of thing that you could just be like, Oh, I'll put the green night on again tonight. Um, but it is true art and cinema. Uh, it's a tale that teaches us a valuable lesson about facing our fear with faith, bravery, and earnestness to achieve success. Um, but is that truly what our heart desires, Phil? <laughs> well, if you're a fan of cinema and you'd like to be challenged and enjoy a visual and oral spectacle, The Green Knight might just be the quest that you're looking for. And it gets a huge recommendation from the Movie Mouth podcast. Seek it out at all good movie theaters now, or in a recent announcement, you can buy tickets for an exclusive watch at home event on August 18th via Apple TV. So those of you that aren't able to get out to the cinema, um, it will be streamed uh, in a in a one off event, which you can watch on on August the eighteenth. But Google that; you might find that it's different in your country of choice. But the Green Knight, very very much worth the watch. And um, don't come to me if you were too challenged. Bye. <laughs> Sounds good, <laughs> Philip. Yes, it's time for this. Oh, um, uh, hi there. Hi. <laughs> oh, God, it's you again. Um, well, well, there's no way to treat your regular customers, is it? I'm, um... <laughs> little shitbag. Well, listen here, speaking of shitbags, I'm looking for a film that would really, should we say, blow me away. Have you got anything that, that might do that? Speed. You know what? I've seen it. I actually saw it in 1994 in the cinema. Phone booth. Um, oh... Colin Farrell, seen it. Uh, some other films with bombs in. The Negotiator. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, I've seen that too. Uh, um, I don't know. To- uh, uh, to- Tom Hanks Big. Do you want that? Do you know what? I've been. I, I do like Tom Hanks Big, but I've seen it so many times. I want something I've never seen before, Phil. I want something... I don't know, starring Jeff Bridges and let me throw it out there. 
We talked about the fugitive earlier, weren't we? What about yeah. uh, Tommy Lee Jones as an Irishman? Oh yeah. Well, what about if it? Uh, what about if Jeff Bridges plays like an action role? Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. What That's you, it. What I've, got, got? I've got something for you then. Will it blow me away? It will. Quite literally. <laughs> what is it? It's, it's called Blown Away. Oh, it was made to be. Okay. It was, wasn't it? What is it? What's um, it about? Well, what's it not about? Um, So, after staging a particularly gory jailbreak, Irish Republican Army agent Ryan Geraghty, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, makes his way to Boston and begins systematically picking off members of the police bomb squad. The leader of this team, Jimmy Dove, Jeff Bridges, uh, is set to retire. They're always going to retire, aren't they? Uh, but the recent spate of bombings lead him to stay on in an attempt to save as many of his men as possible. Mm-hmm. It isn't long before he discovers the culprit is his old colleague, Garrity, seeking revenge from their shared past. Well, so it's, to be fair, fair, it sounds amazing, but just to be clear, it's, it's a movie about a bomber blowing away bomb squad bomb diffusers with bombs. Yeah. Okay. a lot of bombs in this. There's a lot of bombs in this. I've never yeah. seen so many bombs. No. And we'll come on to the explosions in a minute. Oh, my God. Well, where do we get... Where, where do you want to start, Phil? Tommy Lee Jones' Irish accent? <laughs> oh, well, you know, the elephant in the room. Honestly, I couldn't understand what you were saying at some point. <laughs> I had to put the subtitles on. <laughs> I put the subtitles on. And I mean, do you know I was what's funny? That, yeah, go on. Can I tell you what's funny? The yeah. subtitles were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they, so, they were just making it up as well. They were making it up. So in the things that I could understand, they, they'd obviously just phonetically listened to it. There was a line in there where I think it was Lloyd Bridges. So Jeff Bridges' dad plays his uncle, confusingly. Yeah, weirdly. And he does a whole scene in a wedding where he's doing a speech and he says something like, hey, you're bollocksing it all up. Yeah, you're blessed. And it, bollocksing was spelt B-O-L-O-X-I-N-G. <laughs> bollocksing. Bollocksing, you're bollocksing it up. <laughs> yeah, the Irish accents in this are, are fun, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I come here to create a new country for you called chaos and a new government called anarchy. <laughs> anarchy. Anarchy. <laughs> and there was a point where he sounded Jamaican, wasn't there? There were points yeah. where. But Tommy you know Lee Jones... he's Irish and he's a dangerous Irishman because he's wearing a leather. Um, cap no so this is what i wanted to say about this everyone who you're not sure is irish basically that has a bad irish accent wears a flat cap and a cravat (laughs) so that you can physically they physically resemble an irishman like it's just short of like doing something really in a like really offensive with like a green waistcoat or something like do you know their accent's so bad like give them a ginger beard and a green waistcoat oh they're irish and put some buckles on the shoes yeah yeah, no, you're right. It was that bad. Yeah. But, you know what, though? Like, we're picking on that. But for the rest of the film, I, I'm, I'm going to say, there's not a huge amount, I don't think, you you can pick on this. Because I, I hadn't seen this. I, I, I thought I had, but I hadn't. When you said about doing this for Video Store Corner, I thought, oh, I think I've seen that. Like, you know, you see, I saw the poster for it and I was like, I must have seen that. I must have seen that on TV when I was younger. You know, 92, it came out, didn't it? And, 94. Uh, oh, 94, was it? I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Same <laughs> year as Speed. 
So that's right. Same year as B. So it's like, I thought I must have seen this. And I 100% had not seen this. Uh, had you seen it? Never. Never? Never seen that's it. That's interesting. I saw a clip of this on one of our, on our Instagram feed by one of our um, the followers. And apologies if, I, if I've forgotten who, who shared it. And I'm sure you can reach out. But I saw a clip of it and it was, it was, it was of a certain scene of explosions that I was immediately, I immediately sent to you. And I was like, we have to watch this film for Video Store Corner this week. Yeah. Because I'd never heard of it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, The poster I looked up is the most generic poster you'll ever see. There's no telling what it actually is. Yeah. Um, It's peak Tommy Lee Jones, really, coming off the back of The Fugitive, you know, just before Men in Black. Um, And I would go so far to say, Phil, that it's actually a really good movie. It is. (laughs) It really is. Well, I was like halfway through it thinking, well, we're not really going to have like much fun. Like, (laughs) just try, like, you know, we normally poke fun a bit at these films in Video Store Corner, but there's not, there's not a huge amount we can do to it because I think it is solid. It's really solid. Like, it's it's Jeff Bridges in an action role. It's like his first action role that he was like pushing. I think he was like 45 when they filmed this. Was he really? Wow. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's a weird role for like Jeff Bridges, I'd say, but he's really good in it. I think, well, Jeff Bridges is good in anything. I think, he's good in everything. Yeah, he's yeah. good in everything. He put it, yeah, he's brilliant. But yeah, I just thought it was good. I, I What I did like, I like some of the, it's kind of a bit like a, there's, there's kind of saw elements to this in that the, the bombs that, um, that Garrity, uh, Tommy Lee Jones can uh, basically creates a, a kind of tricks or traps to kind of outfox the bomb disposal unit in the Boston Police Department. Yeah, um, and there's so there's a lot of thought that's kind of gone into it, but it's like it is still a bit like, but why is he doing this? Why why didn't he? Why doesn't he just blow up the whole building with all the police department inside? Yeah, why is he easy. creating bombs that if you shoot them with a shotgun, they bounce off a wall and then bounce onto you and kill you? <laughs> for the fun I mean he's mental isn't he like that whole scene where they show like the, the video he sent in and he's wearing all those different masks and he's going mental Incredible. the camera it's- Tommy Lee Jones nailed this I think I feel like this was like his almost his audition for the uh, for um, Two-Face in Batman Two-Face, Forever yeah yeah he's a because like he that. was mad in this wasn't he yeah did you I like yeah. the scene when he was singing U2 in the, in the in the boat in his little like bomb making facility and he was like but I still haven't found what I'm looking for <laughs> yeah like, yeah. I was like, why is he singing like that? Dancing he was like about. really going for it, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was really going for it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that. It's got a little crabs in the crabs in the bag there. Um <laughs> He was an arsehole in it, wasn't he? He played the arsehole really well. Like, I quite liked him. Well. I thought he was quite likable. Apart from when the he mass was murder. Yeah, apart from that, I mean maybe he killed a few people. I mean yeah. the police. But yeah. he um he was I thought I found him quite likable, to be honest. Yeah. Um and actually, Jeff Bridges, so it, it, throughout the plot, there's a twist, isn't there, Phil? There so, is. which is quite interesting. We didn't see it coming. Well, he kind of did in these weird little flashback moments. But yeah. anyway, it turns out that Jeff Bridges, as James slash Jimmy Dove, who is now the head of the bomb disposal unit or the best bomb disposal person in Boston, uh, it turns out that he was, in fact, born in Belfast and raised to the age of 20 to uh, blow up the... British soldiers that were in Belfast and accidentally blew up all of 
Geraghty's friends and family in a bomb. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> Oops. So in many ways, the antagonist is the protagonist and the protagonist is the antagonist. You could watch this film from two different angles. True. Um, which makes it slightly more nuanced than your typical kind of 90s thriller. Yeah. It's kind of got one of those like clear and present danger type Tom Clancy type vibes to it. Feels feels a bit more like that, you know, than it does like a like a speed or um or a lethal weapon. I it thought. feels a bit more thought out. Yeah. And a bit more true to like police work, maybe yeah. in a way. I don't know. A bit more procedural, you mean? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's also for me, I think this must be one of the uh, the debut roles of Forrest Whitaker, who yeah. turns up as the kind of young replacement as Jeff Bridges is retiring. He kind of steps in, and he kind of they kind of partner up to some extent. He's a he's a bit of a you know young dumb full of cum type asshole that's just yeah. joined the unit. It's weird though because like they've got instant animosity towards each other. Yeah, he just turns up as a prick, doesn't he? Like, oh, he's you're waiting. on the way out. I'm on the way in. Yeah, you know, he's uh, he, he is a, an asshole. Forrest Whitaker. But, in this. He is, but you can tell straight away that his acting, Forrest Whitaker, is going to be a big thing. Yeah, yeah. From this movie, I think you can. He's really pretty good cut it. and dry, isn't it? He is yeah. really, really good in it. Yeah. Um. So there's a great scene where he, you don't really know that he's much of a music fan, apart from you see one scene where he's jogging and he has these giant cans on his head with a, <laughs> with an antenna sticking out. Yeah. Listening to some kind of radio, I guess. Yeah. Running up and down some steps, and we see Tommy Lee Jones watching him. And then in the next scene, he gets home and he <laughs> he gets home and he climbs into his armchair. It's weird. He doesn't take a shower after going for like a massive run. That kind of freaked me out. He gets That's in his cool. leather armchair and he's sitting there all sweaty. He's got a bottle of water though, didn't he? Yeah, but that makes it even worse. You have mm. a bottle of water and it just makes you sweat even more. I've got a leather sofa here. If I went for a run and had a bottle of water and sat on the sofa, I'd be melting all over it. He's sliding all over the place. Which is <laughs> wood. <laughs> um... So that's my typical Saturday night, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so he sits in his armchair and he puts on his headphones and he hears a beep, 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 and it turns oh. out that he's got a bomb in the earphones and there's a whole scene there. And they come to his house to defuse the bomb. He's like, he calls Jeff Bridges. He's like, Dove, uh, you got to get down here. Is that you, Dove? I can't hear you, but come down here. And Dove comes down there and they're trying to defuse this bomb that's in his earphone and because he's like plugged his music in he's just sitting there singing along to uh is it aretha franklin he's sitting like singing yeah. <laughs> please man we're trying to defuse this bomb he's like just turn it off because I've, I've 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 worked out that the circuit doesn't affect the volume of it or whatever. yeah yeah and he just turns off yeah he goes could you do you think we could turn this off now i feel like forrest whitaker was like hey um jeff you know uh I'm going to try something in the scene. Maybe I could, sing. you know, sing some Aretha. I'm going to sing my heart out. Just sing my heart out because I know the words of the song, man. <laughs> Love that song. <laughs> give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, one of those things you can imagine them making up on the day. Um, yeah. Also, the, the other bomb that I enjoyed was the, <laughs> was the robot bomb, uh, which um, Diaz and... Um, the, I can't remember the name of the female officer. I will find it here. I think it was oh. Rita. Yeah, it's uh, Rita. sorry, Cortez and Rita. Yeah. And um, they're sitting on this. Cortez is one of the bomb disposal guys, and he's sitting on this robot, really happily driving it around, isn't he? Like in this, yeah. this kind of this police scene. And Jeff Bridges figures out that uh, basically the bomb is planted inside the bomb 
disposal robot. No one knows how it got placed there in the first place, considering it was a pretty secure thing. Yeah. But it's just there. And Jeff Bridges then runs, call it, you know, 100 yards to this truck where, where this thing is being stored with Cortez and Rita waiting by it. And as he runs, Jeff Bridges manages to run into the entire Boston Police Department. Like, yeah. they are all walking in his direction like zombies. Yeah. But it takes uh, him about 10 minutes to run there as well because it's all in it slow took, motion. It takes 10 minutes. And then he screams at the helicopters, get out of there, get out of here. And the helicopters somehow hear him. So yeah. the helicopters then fly over where the bomb is. And then Cortez and Rita can't hear Jeff Bridges shouting. Like, and you, then it cuts back and he's still pushing through and he's pushing someone over a car bonnet and they're flying it. People are flying everywhere. Yeah. And then they, he just gets there and the guy, Cortez, opens the switch, opens the front panel. Turns the it, key or whatever. But he turns the key and it blows Boom. this truck up. And you see these these two, it's very rare to see this in a movie, these two flaming corpses go <laughs> flying through the air, don't you? <laughs> you Completely do. burnt to a crisp. Yeah. And just land there on the floor like, ah! Like Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru. <laughs> Yeah, exactly like Aunt Owen and Aunt Peru. Yeah. Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru. <laughs> it's gender neutral. Gen- Uncle gender Owen. fluid. Oh, Christy. <laughs> look. Uh, Come yeah. and get some green milk, look. Fried to a crisp. Um, but yeah, that was, I, I don't know, I quite enjoyed that scene. I found it quite. It's good. Quite, but there's a lot of slow motion running, isn't there, towards explosions or away from explosions? Yeah, I mean, there's. We'll come on to that. I want to come on to the onto that last moment that we're, yeah. we're probably both thinking about. The best moment of the movie, I would say. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, Do you know what, what I found weird? We're talking about accents. Um, Jeff Bridges, because obviously he's meant to have grown up in Ireland, but he's just got a Jeff Bridges accent throughout this film. Yeah, it just sounds like Jeff last, Bridges. But apart, yeah, he sounds like he's got cotton cotton wool in his mouth. Yeah. But I, yeah. Oh, God. His, oh, God. I find his voice quite bomb. like... We're going to um, blow addictive. the bombs up. Yeah, I'm from <laughs> Belfast. I was born in Belfast about 20 years ago. And uh, yeah, I, was, uh, I joined him. You know, it was like family. He was my best friend. And then I killed everybody <laughs> that he loved. <laughs> but the thing is, it's only until the last like two minutes of the film that he actually has a Boston accent. Yeah, he says in the last two minutes, he goes, the car. Uh, there is a bomb in the car. There's a bomb, There's in, a bomb the in the car. And I was yeah. like, that's the only time he sounds like from Boston. Yeah. I Freaking sweet. Immediately. Yeah. And it's really weird. It's put the like they the filmed yard. that scene for like first and he thought, I better put on a Boston accent and then he thought, fuck it, I'm not doing that for the rest well, of the, the end, time. Just like, Do you know what? Do you know what? I've killed everyone that knew I was Irish and now I can just pretend, I can just go back to being Irish From now. Boston, yeah. Yeah, got maybe. away with it. Maybe. I found that. But yeah, it was, it was kind of weird. He was also, it was kind of fun. I love that opening bomb disposal scene with him. It was inexplicably, you see him, the first time you see him, he's driving around on a Harley Davidson with a golden retriever on his lap. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> And then he drives to a uh, a bomb scene at a college, and uh, there's a lady Nancy there who's been stuck at her computer with a bomb, and she has to keep typing "you love" or "love." No, you. I love you. I love you. L U V. And yeah. by her boyfriend that's blown her blown his brains out. And Jeffrey just walks in. He's like, "Hey, Nancy." He's like, oh, "Can we get the boyfriend? Can we get the ex boyfriend a drink? He looks a little tired or something." <laughs> Can't remember what he said. Yeah. And the guy's laying there on the floor with a bullet hole in his head. And you're like, Jesus, "Yeah, it was his brains out. all over the floor." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Get this guy a drink. He looks tired." It's like, dude, that's her ex boyfriend. Like, he just yes. blew his brains out. She's gone through an extremely traumatic experience and still and, is. <laughs> and then he says, "Phil." Okay, Nancy, I got to get between your legs, <laughs> and then dips under the desk to defuse the bomb. 
yeah. while shouting up to her. So we don't really know like what the whole deal is with this bomb. We think it might no, be on a timer or it's whatever. Not really explained, is it? It's not explained, but then he shouts up, how many bytes are remaining? And she looks <laughs> at the computer and we see a screen with bytes, B-Y-T-E-S. Yeah. 20, yeah. She's like, there are 20, 24 bytes remaining. And it starts counting down oh, bytes. Because it's like, yeah, it's like, we've it's got computers now. Bomb. It's 1994. Yeah. We're using these <laughs> things. It's like 24 bytes. Okay, we've got to get it starts oh counting God. down. Oh my, how many bytes are remaining up there, Nancy? You got a lot of bytes up there? <laughs> um, and, <laughs> it's... It was just like I love that kind of thing, you know what I mean? It's like it's yeah, and I, love, I do time. like the fact in that scene that the, the other guy Cortez is in there and he's trying to program that robot like to to type "I love you" instead, like of her, yeah. so she doesn't instead have to it, it types "Happy room. birthday, Polly." Yeah, yeah. But I love the fact when they're like, "Oh, okay, it's all right." He's programmed it now. He's done his soldering and he's got the cables already. Like, let's put it on there and it starts typing "I love you." And then, it, then it just mashes its robot <laughs> hand into the keyboard <laughs> and they all panic. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with this thing? It's brilliant. There was there was some good moments like that. There was some good moments of unintentional comedy. There was a scene where we see Forrest Whitaker towards the end of the movie um, in um, should we call it Tommy Lee Jones's bomb house of death mm. uh, or bomb boat of death? I should say bomb, bomb boat of death. Bomb boat of death. Uh, Forrest Whitaker. There's an explosion, like some f- gasoline goes off somewhere or a barrel of gasoline, and Forrest Whitaker jumps through these flames. And as he jumps through, he's like screaming like. <laughs> like, like, but he's kind of coming to save the day, so it's yeah. kind of weird. He's like, ah! <laughs> and he's fine. He's not burnt at all. Like, but he's just there. And I mean, would you, if you were going to do that, like, and you were running through like an explosion, would you do it in complete silence, or would you scream? I'd be like, I'd be like, hey <laughs> I'd be like, stop, motherfuckers! I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> jumping through the fire. <laughs> My scream would be a lot more girly if I was doing that. Yeah. <gasps> Yeah, like more shrill. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> it's not far from fire. that. It's not far from forest. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> I also like there was a scene. There was a scene where I think they got this wrong. I think they got this completely wrong. So there's a scene where Lloyd Bridges, as um, Dove's uncle uh, Max, is in a bar, Max. and he goes to the bar to find Tommy Lee Jones. And they're in this bar and obviously Tommy Lee Jones is on to him. So Lloyd Bridges goes off to the toilet to go and phone Dove. And you would assume he would make a play on like going to go for a pee. But instead he says, I'm off to choke the old snake, <laughs> which yeah. surely means he's going to do something else, not going yeah. to pee. Choke the chicken. Mm. The bishop. And he's like, I can't let you get away with it, dad. He's like, well, fuck you, Dad. After <laughs> <laughs> smacking him in the leg with a pipe. Yeah. 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 The uh, Bridges' death scene. Oh, it was, it was unnecessary, wasn't it? Mm. I didn't want to see that. No, I like Lloyd Bridges. I wanted him to look at the camera though and go, I, 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 no, what was it? I picked the wrong day for, I picked the wrong wig to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to look at the camera and just thread a, a tissue through both of his ears. <laughs> yeah. Like, pull yeah. it back and forth. It's an old pork chop injury. <laughs> oh, talk about typecast. You can't you I can't know. get him out of your head because he's so yeah. good in airplane. He's he's so good in airplane and so good in um hot shots. Yeah. Um, um but yeah. So should we talk about it? Do you want to do that last? Shall I give you some trivia first then or do yeah, you want to do talk it. about yeah, all right. I'll give you some trivia first, then we can talk about the wonderful 
uh, scene. The best moment um, of the movie. Yeah. So trivia. Uh, Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones are good friends in real life. Also, they were both considered to play <laughs> Snake Pliskin in Escape from New York. <laughs> oh, wow. Kurt Russell. Both of them were considered for that. That's weird. I, I always get Tommy Lee Bridge, Jones uh, and Snake Jeff Bridges Pliskin. And, um, and Kurt Russell mixed up. Right. But Tommy Lee Jones was Snake Pliskin. No. 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 Uh, this is a, a funny coincidence, isn't it? Jeff Bridges turned down the lead role in Speed, 1994, to do this film. Mm. Uh, that was also a Mad Bomber movie released in the same year. That's funny, isn't it? Uh, I, could see, I could see him as the Jeff Daniels character, another Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I could have seen him but as, yeah, 100% the, as, as the that. Keanu yeah. Reeves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Lloyd Catlett, who plays Bama, so he's the um, yeah, you know, the guy who's like diffusing Around the, the bomb, the headphones. Yeah, uh, is Jeff Bridges' stand-in and stunt double in this film? Oh right, and several other films. So that's a bit weird. So did he do the mo- the bike check, the bike scene when he, he jumps probably would have done bike. all that stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. Um, although they are, well, we've already mentioned this, but although they're really father and son, Lloyd Bridges and Jeff Bridges are cast as uncle and nephew in this movie. Yeah. Um. The film cast includes four Oscar winners. Obviously, they weren't all then, but Tommy Lee Jones, Jeff Bridges, Cuba, uh, Cuba Gooden Jr. Yeah, I saw have seen briefly. Yeah, he was good in that, little, that first Yeah, scene. and Forrest Whitaker. So that's cool. Now, this is, uh, this is one hell of a... You know, I, I like to do these, uh, oh, these people were considered to play this role, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Check out the list of people that were considered to play Jimmy Dove Jeff Bridges' character, okay? Mm-hmm. You mean Liam McGivney? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, right? Yeah. Kevin Bacon. I'm going to go through quick. Kevin Bacon, Alec Baldwin, Michael Bain, Bruce Campbell, Kevin Cosner, Michael Douglas, Richard Dreyfus, Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, Mel Gibson, Michael Keaton, Christopher Lambert, Viggo Mortensen, Chuck Norris, Dennis Quaid, Mickey Rourke, Kirk Russell, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Selleck, Sylvester Stallone, Patrick Swayze, and Bruce Willis were all considered to play Jimmy Duff. Question, did you say Michael Bean or Michael Caine? Bain. Bain. Bean. Alien Bean. Michael Bean. Uh, yeah, Terminator Bean. Michael, Michael Bain. 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 I thought you Bain. said Michael Caine. <laughs> no, not Michael Caine. <laughs> Imagine right. that. Right. Uh, you look here, right? <laughs> you look here. Yeah, are they supposed to blow the bloody <laughs> doors off? <laughs> Maybe it would have worked. Uh, are they supposed to blow the bloody bomb disposal <laughs> machine? <laughs> what a list of people that they considered for that. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And then the last one, and this will lead us nicely onto the next scene. Oh, Segway! The shockwave from the exploding ocean liner shattered dozens of windows in East Boston. Really? Did it? Yeah, yeah. But, oh my, right, we're going to talk about that. But what an explosion. What a movie explosion. So basically, Explain it's mine. the end of the movie. There's Tommy Lee Jones is in his little playhouse of horrors setting off bombs and doing all kinds of crazy shit. And for no apparent reason, is blowing up this ship. Yeah. And there's really no reason why he's blowing it up. No. Like Speaking of it, it's a really cool ship, though. It's called the Dolphin, and it's like an old casino, casino ship. It's all like ship, really, yeah. like, you know, it's all tilted to one side. and It's, it's a all, cool set. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Yeah. And he sets off this chain reaction of bombs, and it's like, 
It's like one of those things you see on like TikTok or like YouTube where you see like... A marble run. A marble run. Yeah, marble sets something off and then something else happens and then a a wheel tumbles down the stairs and it sets off a landmine and blah, blah, blah. And that's how it all begins, which is a really cool idea, actually. I think it was a really cool scene. And then Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Jeff Bridges, Forrest Whitaker, they're all tussling in this environment and it starts to blow. And Tommy Lee Jones gets stuck in there. He clearly gets absolutely eviscerated by this thing. Blown out Mm -hmm. to sea, sir. Which, funny enough, they show in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. And then um, and then Forrest Whitaker and Jeff Bridges do that classic thing of running away from an explosion. Yeah. However, it is the longest and biggest running away from an explosion and diving through the air and going, ah, yeah. that you have ever seen. Yeah. There's like the first explosion goes off and it's like, wow, like that's huge and they're running yeah. out and they're safe. Then another one, then another one, then another one, and then finally another one before they start to jump through the air, and then another one, yeah. and the whole fucking thing. And as you said, the, you see the camera actually shakes. Oh, it's on mental. That final one. Yeah, but it's like I I put something on our Instagram today of, of filming it because <laughs> it is so it's so funny. It's like it's so gratuitous and yeah. It would never happen today. It would just, now it would be like CGI, CGI, CGI. Yeah. But this is like real explosions. And these guys are running away from it. One of our friends, Gavin, commented as well, like saying as if like running that far away is actually going to, you know, yeah. do anything. Like you would just be peppered with shrapnel yeah. and your internal organs would explode from the shock waves. Yeah. But it's just like, it's just, I think it's the greatest running away from an explosion scene in movie history. It's Bill, amazing. do you agree? Yeah, 100%. It's like one of the best movie explosions I've ever seen. Easily. It is. It's amazing. It's immense. It's, you can imagine the guys, right? And the director was like, look, to the pyro guys, they're like, like guys, like, we need like, a really big explosion for this. We're going to blow the shit out of that boat. And they're, they're, yeah. you can just imagine them rubbing their hands together and going, <laughs> going to pick every, every yeah. explosive they could get their hands on, yep. stuffing it everywhere, putting all the polis, probably like, you know, painted polystyrene, like wood and you know, all the fake stuff that's going to blow out with it. Because at that time, you'd have thought, all right, fair enough, they'll do that, but they'll, they'll build like a really, like quite a, like large scale model and just blow that up, and make it look good. Yep. But no, they didn't blow a model up for that. Not that I can tell anyway. It was no. just a massive explosion. They just it wasn't a model. Up. No. It definitely it was amazing. So yeah, um, what an explosion. Yeah. I mean, that was that's what sold us on it, wasn't it? Because we saw that on Instagram. I sent it to you and it was like, we have to watch this. And so yeah. I would say to our listeners, if you love, you know, action movies, you know, these big 90s explosions, 80s, 80s action movies, um, you're looking for something that you want to, you know, you want to sit down and watch on a Saturday night, Friday night with a beer or, or a whiskey or whatever. Um, an Irish whiskey might be more suitable. Um, this is, I would say this is definitely a, a recommendation as a video store corner to watch, especially being a film that you and I have never seen. Yeah. It's not the best film ever. It's not no, speed. It's I don't think. I don't think it's as good as speed. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's a good, it's a great action film. It's a great nineties feeling action film. Yeah, it is. It's the kind of film you could watch on holiday. Do you know what I mean? Like in your yeah. hotel room, you spent a yeah. day on the beach, maybe a little bit of day drinking, you come back yeah, to your room, away. should we put a film on? It's like, oh, blown away. I've never seen that. Watch that. Watch it. And you'd absolutely <laughs> love it, wouldn't you? You'd yeah. just be like, you'd be like fucking hell, that, that's a big explosion, <laughs> wouldn't it? That was a big hit. Should we go down to the buffet now? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Fancy a pint of Guinness. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
Watch it, everyone. It's great. Give me two hot dogs with mustard. I like them spicy. I like them spicy. Two dollars <laughs> for the hot dog. For two hot dogs. A dollar a hot dog. I was shocked. I know. And then you just oh, put bit, it on the seat. Another bit of trivia. That scene where he's at the baseball. This is uh, Lloyd Bridges at the at the baseball. Fenway Park. Yeah. Uh, filmed during an actual game that was going on, that scene. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't like set up. It was uh, it was going it was going on. She had all the fans like, "What the fuck are they doing?" Like, "What's what's what's Lloyd Bridges here next to me? They're talking about some <laughs> Irish IRA terrorist and asking for extra mustard." He was very quick though to go check on him, wasn't he? He went, he went. Did you hear he killed an Irish fellow on the break out of prison? He goes, "Did he? Ah, uh, yeah. Go check on it." And he goes, checks. He goes, literally walks up two rows, and he comes back and goes, "There's your That's mustard. the name of the bar. Go go find the fucker." He's there's your mustard, and he hands him the fifty with the the, the O'Dells written on the mustard yeah. and the there's your mustard O'Dells bar. That's where he hangs out. Give him a say hello for me, will you? It's like fucking hell, that's quick. So blown away then. 1994 is blown away. Check it out, guys. Um, I think that's pretty much it from us this week. Um, Join us on the next Movie Mouth podcast slice of movie and TV related podcast fun. But before then, please follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts at at Movie Mouth Podcast and hit subscribe. Or... Give us a nice five-star review on your podcast player of choice. Um, with that said, Phil. Yes. There's just there's just one last thing to say, isn't there? Hello. No. No. Hello. You no. Phil, we talked about this. You know what to say. Au revoir. No, Phil. Close. C'est la vie. No, that's even that's further away. You had you were close with au revoir. I'll feed us No, Phil. Kein problem. Goodbye. Goodbye.